Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So what I want to speak on tonight is you have got a future worth fighting for. You've got a future worth fighting for. And in Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. And the other one I love is Proverbs 12, 24. Since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? It's interesting, isn't it? We, we talk about having faith. But then we want to know everything that's going to happen. And if I just knew God, well, then I'd be all right. Well, where's the faith? If you you know what's going to happen, why do you need faith? You don't need it because you already know what's going to happen. So that's the whole thing. We don't know what's going to happen. That's where we have faith. That even when we don't know what's happening, our faith is in God, not in knowing all the detail. And that's where it becomes exciting. That's where the adventure starts. Because it's that whole, I don't know, but my trust is so in you, God. That it doesn't matter that I don't know the details. It doesn't matter that I don't know how it's going to work out. Because yeah. I just know if you're in it and I'm with you, yeah. I'm going to be right. Yeah. And I'm going to automatically walk into what I should. You know, in these two scriptures, they're a wonderful foundation for our lives as we trust in God. And it all sounds really nice. And if everything in life is going really well and according to our plans and our expectations, how easy life would be, wouldn't it? You know, you hear God say these wonderful things and sometimes you get these prophetic words and you think you know what that meant. And as life goes on, you see the prophetic word unfold and, and it actually it unfolded as it was said. It just wasn't what you thought it was going to happen. And that's where sometimes we get unstuck. But, you know, life can take some very unexpected turns for us. And if we're not careful with our reactions and our responses to those situations or those circumstances, we can find the result is that our choices take us actually further away from God's plans for our lives and the timing that he has for everything in our lives. And I'm in no way trying to make light in any way of situations that you may be going through now or that you have gone through. Because when you hear people's stories, sometimes you just you know, beside yourself or you're lost for words because of just what people are going through. So I'm in no way making light of your circumstances or what has happened to you. But if you know that you aren't going in the direction passionately in pursuing God, His ways and His plans for your life, then in what direction are you going? And how long are you going to stay there? Like, what's the go? Because casual Christians will eventually become Christian casualties. There's no two ways about it. You know, when the enemy seeks to keep you bogged down in your problems as long as he can, that's what he wants because he doesn't want you to fulfill God's plans and his purposes for your life, whether it's individually or corporately as a church family. And he wants to keep you bogged down in all this stuff. That's his plan, to keep you distracted, to keep you bogged down because then you won't, you'll be so, your, your attention is so focused on that that you don't get on with what God wants you to do. And so, you know, there may be, there may be situations, quite often it can be, um, these things can come right out of the blue. You weren't even looking for it and something just comes into your life and it's right out of the blue. It may be in your marriage. You weren't expecting it. You were going along great and something just came, whoa, out of the blue that you 
hardly expected, or perhaps in one of your family relationships, or the people you work with, the students you work with, or perhaps on the team that you're with, or your church staff team. It can be anything. It can just come right out of the blue. You least expect it. And it's just like, well, whoa, what are we going to do with this? And, uh, you know, the, the reality is we've got to watch how we react to that. Otherwise, we miss what God wants us to do. We miss who God wants us to do it with. And we miss his timing in what's happening. And uh, it can just, yeah, sometimes it, it can feel like it's just all too hard. And yet there's people and timing that, that God wants you to do things with. And we don't want to miss them. We've got to fight. We've got such a good future. We've got to fight for it. The big question is, do you really realize you have a future worth fighting for? Do you really realize that? The first point is, don't allow disappointment or discouragement to dictate your life. Now, if you think I'm going down the same path as Sean this morning, I'm not. So don't worry. We don't think the same or we don't preach the same. Don't allow disappointment or discouragement to dictate your life. And one important question we need to ask is, what are you going to do when your expectation of life or your situation doesn't turn out as good as you thought it was going to be? And I've heard so many in our youth group, different people over time, just expectations they had, sometimes so unrealistic, absolutely unrealistic, but they're so disappointed in life. And it's just like, well, I thought God would have done this and I thought I would have been doing this by now and I would have had a husband or I would have had a wife and I thought we would have had children or I had a baby and I didn't expect it to happen like this or them to turn out like this. And, and all these things that come that people just don't expect and everyone looks at God like it should have been perfect, it should have been wonderful, it should have been... And it's just like, you know, all these questions that people have got in life just didn't quite turn out like they expected it to be. Does that mean God's left? Does it mean God doesn't love you? No, it's just, it's us. It's us, not God, it's us sometimes. I think of that actor, Christopher Reeve. Remember him? For those of us who are older, he used to be Superman. He was one one of the original Supermans. And uh, he loved riding horses and he had a great fall off his horse and he was paralysed from the neck and down. Does anyone remember him at all? Yeah, well, he was paralysed from the neck down and he died at the age of 52 on the 10th of October, 2004. You know, oh, sorry, that, that's when he died, yeah. But the, once he was paralysed, he could have lived his life as a vegetable in bed. And he just could have, you know, um, he just could have been like that. But he fought to have a quality of life. And he actually fought to have a quality of marriage. And life, yes, it hadn't turned out how he expected at all. But, you know, he fought. I don't, to my knowledge, I didn't know that he was a Christian. But he fought for his life. He saw there was a life to live and that uh, he wanted to embrace it. And what, you know, he actually ended up sailing. He ended up sailing his just determination and he ended up doing some acting still again. And that it was never quite to the level he'd done before, but he was just determined. I'm going to live life. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to fight for my life. I'm not going to let my life circumstances dictate what's going to happen. And what about his wife, Dana? So she'd married him thinking, oh, Christopher, we've got this great life. He's an actor, money coming in, everything's going good. We've got a, a child, everything's going great. And then he has this. And of course, you know, when these things happen, it doesn't affect one person, it affects, it affects the family. So what about her? This wasn't the marriage she'd expected to be looking after this man's paralyzed. You know, and, and what about the quality of her marriage? Like, you know, this, this, this wasn't how it was supposed to be. And then after all that, approximately nine months after her husband's death, she contracted lung cancer 
and she died on the 6th of March 2006. She died uh, two years later after him. And, that, and then they left behind this teenage son. Now, what will his expectations in life be? And hopefully, he's learned from his parents to be positive and to embrace life. And I hope somewhere in life, someone introduces him to Jesus because he's got such a future to fight for. He's got such a future to fight for. And some people can allow themselves to be so overwhelmed by their circumstances. It's like a, a, just an absolute big fog in front of them and they just end up falling back on a comfort fix because it's easier. They don't know what to do. It's all so foggy and they just get into a comfort fix which sometimes ends up being a bad habit and then they've got more problems and uh, it just isn't good. So, but what they need to do is get some good advice and just learn what is the next steps. Do even just what's the next step, a clear plan on the next step of how I move forward in my life, how I move forward. And God has a great future plan for you. It's a future worth fighting for. And I really felt God put that on my heart. You have, a, as an individual and a corporate church, you have a future worth fighting for. But do you realize it? And there's times when you are going to have to knuckle down and fight for it. You've got to fight for it. In Proverbs 23, verses 17 and 18, it says, Don't evil, don't envy evil men, but continue to reverence the Lord at all time. For surely you have a wonderful future ahead of you. There is hope for you yet. And God is not in the merry-go-round business where, you know, it comes to his will for your future. It's not like, you know, one minute he's up, one minute he's down. And over the years, I've seen people get unintentionally hurt. They've got disillusioned. And they've chosen to, to hold that disappointment. They've chosen to hold that disappointment. And then all of a sudden, God's told them to go somewhere else. Oh, it's time to leave Junction Church and I'm going to go somewhere else. And then, you know, it's just coincidental that they never, God never gave them time to actually deal with what was wrong. And they moved on. And then they take that to the next church or to the next place or not even go to church. And that just keeps compiling, piling. And amazingly enough, they never get past that pattern in their life because they just never stop to deal with some of the things in their life. And sometimes fighting for your future means just being open and honest and being vulnerable and dealing with some of this stuff and being saying, you know, oh, stupid in this or I'm just pr proud in this and, you know, I'm just going to put this right. And sometimes we've just got to be real and open and honest and deal with it. And of course, it's funny how God gets them to just keep moving and moving from place to place because it's always God, isn't it? No one can ever admit it's them and that. And this, I really believe this sort of behavior just isn't good enough if we're going to be effective for God. It's just not good enough. And a decision made in haste may see your future lay in waste. Don't let disappointment or discouragement dictate your life. You were created for so much more. You've got a future worth fighting for. The second thing, is, is time on your side. And people can tend to take God for granted and his timing. And that as though it doesn't matter if some disappointment or, or disillusionment it drags on for months or for years. And over time, they actually feel justified in holding that. You know, the reason I'm not there, well, you know, this happened in my life and, and it just drags on. And again, they don't deal with it. They don't get over it. They don't take it before God in worship. They don't allow him to transform their life. And it's, and it's like they... They're, in, they're in justifying indulging in that disappointment or that, that, you know, that discouragement. And I'm, I'm not talking about someone who's had a major setback or someone who's feeling a little disappointed or disillusioned and they're actively working through it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who's just content to stay stuck in their rut. 
They just want to stay stuck in the rut because it's too much effort to move forward and to deal with unanswered questions, uh, to deal with deep anger they may have, and to perhaps even to the point where they need to forgive God because they feel he just didn't come through for them. And they just, they can't be bothered doing that or they just don't have the guts to do it. And that. And what about those who take God's love and mercy for granted? And what does it matter if we sin? Because we know God's going to forgive us, don't we? He's going to forgive us. So what does it matter if we sin? So if I do it, I'll just go and ask him to forgive me. And because he's great in mercy and love, he will forgive me. And then if I go and do it again, doesn't matter because I can come back to God. And it's not, oh God, I made a mistake. It's, oh, I knew you'd forgive me. So it was like this license to sin because I know, and it's playing games and it's taking God's love and mercy for granted. And uh, I hate it that they think they can do whatever they want because basically, so long as they ask God to forgive them afterwards, they're all right. This is a very dangerous line of thinking. Very, very dangerous line of thinking. The minute you deliberately go to sin, you're rebelling against God. There's no two ways about it. It's very willful. 1 Samuel 15 verse 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. In Proverbs 17 verse 11 says, An evil man seeks only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger will be sent against him. In Galatians 5 verse 13, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And if the penny hasn't dropped with you yet, let me assure you that while you may think that it's okay to indulge your discouragement or not to move forward or fulfill God's plans and timing or destiny for your life, or that you can choose to carry on sinning, fully intending somewhere to ask for God's forgiveness and that, let me assure you that the devil is marking you. While you think you can play with God's timing, the devil is marking you and he will make sure he takes you out before you get to ask God's forgiveness. He will do it and that's the thing. You think you're all in control, but he will take you out and he'll make sure he does it before you get to ask God's forgiveness. And so then what's that going to look like when you've got to stand face face before Jesus? What's the eternal consequences of that sort of attitude that you've had playing games with God? We need to take a sober look and think about that before you continue to indulge your feelings or blatantly rebel against God. Don't take his timing for granted because the devil isn't and he's marking you. You have a future worth fighting for. Fight for it. The third thing is, well, we all look at, you know, our expectations. What about God's expectations? Whoa, do we forget about him? Or is it all about me and me? It's all very well hearing about our expectations and what didn't happen and that. But what about God and what he'd hoped for? Well, Sean's preaching this morning. I was hoping. What about part two? God was hoping. God had some hopes. God had some expectations. God had some plans. Back in Genesis, it says he got to the point with all the sinning of people that he regretted in his heart, that he grieved in his spirit that he had made mankind. How awful to get to that point. What about his expectations and the hope he has for mankind, the hope he's got for the plans and purposes he's put in your heart? What about them? 
In Acts 18, we read about the Apostle Paul arriving at Corinth, working with Aquila and Priscilla as tent makers, preaching in the synagogue each, each, synagogue, synagogue each Sabbath. And in verse 6, we see that the Jews certainly opposed him and blasphemed and they were hurling abuse at Jesus. And the frustration, the disappointment and discouragement Paul must have encountered, being so passionate about Christ, yet seeing the Jews so small-minded in their understanding. And he was just so fed up, he declared that he was only going to preach to the Gentiles. That's it, had enough of this, I'm only going to preach to the Gentiles. And Paul also had to come, was also at the same time facing the continual threat of death because of him preaching so boldly about Christ. So he's got Jews who are small-minded, he's fed up, he's frustrated, and he's also got continual threats of death. And it's like, I'm out of here, buddy, enough. I'm just going, you know, this is wasted on the, the what, don't throw pearls before the swine or whatever. This is wasted on these. I'm just going to go and speak to the Gentiles. But let's look and see what happens in Acts 18 verse 9. It says, One night the Lord spoke to, to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't quit. For I am with you and no one can harm you. Many people here in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed in there. So, so sorry. So Paul stayed there the next year and a half preaching the truths of God. And Paul didn't realize that God also had an expectation that God had bigger plans for Corinth. Paul thought he had done as much as he could, but God knew there was still more to be done, to be accomplished, because many people in that city still belong to God. In Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17, it says, So be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Don't be fools, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. And in the natural, it's easy to be fearful when you're walking into areas that you're not familiar with, you're not sure about, or you don't feel comfortable with. We all have to have that rock-solid trust in God, that He is with us. And because if you will persevere, you will take ground. You will take ground. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, it says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and in, in love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. These are, these are rock solid words. They're not just nice verses. They are life. They are words from God. They are truth and reality. And it's easy for us to think about our expectations. Were they reached or were they disappointed? But what about God's expectations? There are people in this city who still belong to God. There are people in neighboring cities who still belong to God. There are people in this country who still belong to God and beyond. He's not finished yet. What are you going to do about it? He's not finished yet. What are you going to do about it? Last time I checked, it wasn't all about me. And it's not all about you. It's all about God. It's all about God. It's all about Him. He has a very clear plan and destiny for your life. You have a future worth fighting for. Are you going to fight for it? And the final point is, stuff the past. Stuff the past. 
There's one thing you need to know about your past. The devil doesn't give a rip about it. Do you, do you want, is that a, that's not an Aussie saying, a rip mate. The devil doesn't give a rip about it. He couldn't care less about your past. I know we're all interested in our past. He couldn't give a rip about it. You can spend all your time nutting out, how's this thing going to go? Or, or how's this thing going to stop you from fulfilling God's purposes because I did this way back then? And how could God use me? And oh my gosh, oh, 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 oh. And the devil couldn't care less. He couldn't care less. He's not interested in your past. He's vitally interested in your future and the decisions and choices and thoughts you make absolutely tonight and from now on. You can heap piles of guilt and shame on yourself and tell yourself how unworthy you are and why you can't be used by God. How could God use me after all I've done? And it means absolutely nothing to the devil. Your shame and guilt aren't a threat to him. He's only interested in your shame and guilt if he can keep you so that so that keep you to the point where you choose to let it be a problem to you. That's the only thing he's interested in because while you choose to let it be a problem, he's got you back there bogged down in it. And that's the only thing he's interested in. Your shame and guilt aren't a threat to him. What on earth can it do to him? So, you know, so I feel guilty about something I've done in my past. How on earth is that a threat to the devil? He couldn't give a stuff about your past. And we spend all this time, people, you know, oh my God, oh, like this. And he's like, this is great. She's so, she's so focused on all of this. But the minute somebody's, he's more interested in Joe Blow down there who's going, right, God, I need to sort this out. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to get this. He's, he's not worried about you and what you've done. He's worried about him because he's making right choices. He's making, he's fighting for his future and he's the one he's worried about, not you. And so the reality is if God's not holding your past against you, which he doesn't because he's in the business of reconciling you to him. So if he's not holding his guilt against you and the devil couldn't give a rip or a stuff about it, why do we spend so much time on it? It's ridiculous. We need to focus on fighting for our future because that's what the devil's watching. That's what we got to fight for it. And there's times when things don't, you go through seasons, okay, there's other times when you've got to fight. And there's been times in my life where I've had to fight so hard. Things have come so out of the blue, even, even in our marriage and that. And for those who are, you know, all gooey in love and newly married and this will be a terrible shock for you, but, you know, confessions of a, a pastor and that, you know, there's not only one person in life you're going to be attracted to. <gasps> all through life, there are going to be people, even when you're married, that you're attracted to. But just because you're attracted to people doesn't mean you've got to do anything about it. And sometimes I've had things in my life in the past where it'll be this, this guy, it'll just be a look, they might have been standing like this, I don't know. And, and, and like all of a sudden, there's just a, wow, they look hot or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested in them. But, all, but it gets hooked into my mind. I'm like, what the heck's this all about? You know, I love Sean. I'm committed to Sean. We've got a path together. We've got a destiny together. I'm committed to him. I love him. But I can't, it's, the reality is I can't get this person out of my mind. And it's not actually the person because I'm not actually having a lot to do with them because the minute something like that happens, I just sort of make sure I'm well away from them and I, I, I guard myself. 
but the thought's still in my mind and that's the one I've got to play with. And sometimes I've had it where, where I've not even wanted to say, God, take this away. I don't, I don't know why this is in my mind. I and I can't get rid of them out of my mind and I've had to fight, I've had to fast, I have to do everything but eventually it goes because I'm fighting for our future, I'm fighting for our marriage, I'm fighting for our family, I'm fighting for the purposes of God. If our marriage goes up the creek, we've got a church that's following us, we've got leaders that are following us, we've got people in the world that watch us. There is way too much at stake for Sean and my marriage to go down the tube apart from our own relationship. I remember there was a time in our life where Sean was, this is many years ago, Sean was getting a little bit too uh, interested in technical stuff and going into his cave a bit too much. This isn't sort of a surprise that he and I don't know about, sort of, and that we've <laughs> talked about. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was just a time, and, and we've talked about it, where, where I got quite neglected and that, but I was committed to our marriage. My daughter was watching like a hawk. And I remember her saying, you know, would you, you know, you think you and dad would ever separate? And I said, not a choice, you know, like, you know, divorce, separation, that's just, for us, it's not a choice. It's not an option. We are committed to this marriage and, and we will we'll make this work. And we, we eventually did. But uh, it, it was hard at the time. And, that, and you know, it's, it's times like that where things come vulnerable. But, you know, I'm fighting for my marriage. When I said my vows, I'm committed. Now, I am thankful that I've got someone else who will fight also. And, that, and I realise it's hard if you're fighting and the other person isn't. But at least we can do our best and we can do our best before God. And if you do get to the point where that other person just won't, well, at least you know before God you fought hard. And that, But fight for your marriage. There's going to be things that will come when you least expect it. And it's in an area where you're vulnerable. Where, where better to get me where I'd be vulnerable, where I'm being neglected, and then someone else shows me attention. And it appeals to you because it's nice that someone's paying you attention while you're being neglected by your husband. And as I say, this was years ago, so you know it's not like a big problem we've got now and that. But it's like that. The devil will just come in with things so left field when you least expect it, and you've got to deal with it. You've got to fight with those things, and you've got to get rid of them, but you've got to fight for your marriage. And I really believe there's some people that, that you know, maybe it's just one person, that, but I really felt God had put that on my heart. Fight for your marriage. There's too much at stake. Fight for your families. Even if your children don't know Jesus, fight for them. Fight to keep that relationship. Just love them, regardless of the biggest mess they're making. Just love them and keep that relationship open. Fight for your church staff and team. Fight for the people you work with. If you've got people that they've got plans, different things, fight for them. You've got a future. You've got to fight for your future because it's worth fighting for. Because you will look down the track. There's some people you're going to do team and you're going to do things with. And you think, we stuck in here together. We saw this together. Look what's happened because we stayed in here. And it doesn't happen sometimes in a year or just two. Sometimes it's like 10 years down the track and you're still here and you think, look what we've forged in the spirit together. And it's because as a corporate body, you stuck in there and you fought for your future and you saw God's plans and things accomplished. And I haven't got a clue where I'm up to. (laughs) Um, I think... The other thing is, uh, I can't think of a time when Jesus would have felt guilt or shame in his life and that the guy never did anything wrong. And when would ever he have felt guilt and shame and yet he goes to the cross and feels the horrendous shock of the impact of everybody's guilt and shame in his life. He feels that and his heart was literally emotionally broken. It was literally emotionally broken so yours could be made whole. In second... Colossians 2 verse 14, it says, think of it, all sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant cancelled and nailed to Christ's cross. 
If the devil couldn't give a rip about your past, don't worry about it. If there's things that you need to get right before God, that's different. Be working with God at that. But don't spend hours letting things of your past hold you back when God's not holding it against you and the devil couldn't give a rip. It's just wasted thought life. Get on with fighting for your future and that you have a future worth fighting for. If the worship team could come, thanks. There was once this man named George Thomas and he was a pastor in a small New England town. And as he was commencing to preach one day, he walked in and he just had this empty old rusty bird cage. And he came in and he just placed it on the table next to the pulpit. And that. And he told this story of how he's walking through the town one day and he saw this young boy with this old rusty cage. And he looked in and he said, oh, what do you got there? And he says, oh, I've got this old cage with some birds. And he looked in and he saw these birds at the bottom of the cage just weak and, and shivering and cold and looking fearful and it just he said it was awful and that and and so he stopped the lad and he sort of said what have you got there and he, he, he showed him and that and he said well what are you going to do with them and he says oh, I'm just going to take them home and have some fun with them and he says well what sort of things are you going to do oh, I'm going to tease them I'm going to pull out their feathers make them fight and then I'm just going to have a really good time with them and that uh, and he said oh you'll get you'll get tired of those birds sooner or later what are you going to do with them then oh I've got some cats they'll like them and that they like the birds they'll just they'll just take to them they'll probably eat them or whatever and the pastor was silent for a moment and he said well how much can I pay you for those birds can I have those birds what do you want these old birds for he says don't you worry come on how much he said is this stupid ten dollars so he gave him ten dollars and that and uh, that was fine and then the pastor took the birds over to a tree in a grassy area and he put them down on the ground and he and he cautiously got gradually let the birds out and and they went off to freedom and that and they were free and so that was that and so everyone then understood why the birdcage was on the pulpit and then the pastor just went on a bit more to say that one day Satan and Jesus were having a conversation and Satan had just come from the garden of Eden and he was gloating and boasting and he says yes sir yes sir i just caught me a whole world full of people and that set a trap Use the bait they couldn't resist. I've got them all. And that got them all. And so Jesus asked Satan, what are you going to do with them? Satan replied, oh, I'm going to have some fun with them. I'm going to teach them how to marry and divorce each other, how to hate, how to abuse, how to hurt each other, how to drink, how to smoke, how to curse. I'm going to teach them how to invent guns and bombs and kill each other. I'm going to have a real lot of fun with them. And Jesus said, and what will you do when you get done with them? He says, oh, I'll kill them. Satan glared proudly. Well, how much do you want for them? Jesus asked. And he said, oh, you don't want those people. They ain't no good. And that while they'll just take, they'll, you'll just take them and they'll just hate you. They're going to abuse you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to curse you and they'll kill you. You don't, you don't want to take these people and that. And Jesus said, how much? He asked him again. Satan looked at Jesus and answered, all your blood, tears and your life. And Jesus said, done. Then he paid the price. Then the pastor picked up the birdcage. He opened the door and he walked from the pulpit. And from some of you here tonight, Satan's been having some fun with you. He's been having a lot of fun with you for a long time. Oh, you thought you were in control of your life. But all along, you've just been a pawn in his sadistic game to have fun with you and to get you away from God's plans and promises, to eventually just kill you but he won't do it before he's had his fun with you. 
And the rudest shock of all is you probably thought you were in control. It's like, hey, all these things happen to everyone else, but I know what I'm doing. I'm in control of my life. I know what I'm doing. And that, but you're not actually, because you've only got really two choices, God or Satan. There are no other choices in life. And probably by ignorance, you have involuntarily chosen. If you haven't chosen God, then through, um, through just absolute ignorance, you've involuntarily chosen the devil, Satan, to have his way with you. And all this time, there's a loving God who's been watching you, longing to be in relationship with you, longing to have that relationship with you, and longing to, to just give you the great future that you always hoped and always planned that he'd have for you, He'll always want to be with you every step of the way if you'll let him. And tonight, he gives you the gift of a free will because he'll never... Who wants a forced relationship? That's not where God's at. And he'll be with you and he wants to have a relationship where you're not forced, but tonight you choose and you say as he looks on, hey, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to come into my life. I want to choose to follow you the way that you planned for me to do all along, to have a real life. And he wants to gloriously set you free to be all that God had planned for you and all that he intended for you to be. He wants a genuine relationship with you tonight. Remember, it's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.